Okay, so we have two readings this morning, and I've asked some friends to read them out this morning so that you don't have to listen to me for lots of the time. Um, so Holly and Keith, could you just come out now? Um, we've had one already. Raj read out one this morning, and Nev actually read out the introduction to the second one, believe it or not. So why don't we, um, why don't we have them? They're two, two different readings, but they're often read at Christmas time. One's from the Old Testament, one's from the New Testament. And some 700 years uh, uh, divides these two readings. The first telling of the birth of a Messiah to come, and the second tells the story leading up to the birth of Jesus. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. It will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Matthew 1, 18-24 This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Keith. Well, Christmas is certainly here. And do you know what? In all its excitement, in all its presence, in all the decorations, it can be easy to miss what we're meant to celebrate at Christmas. The meaning of Christmas. See, things often lose their original meaning. Words can change meaning, can't they? For instance, 
the word meat has not always been used in the way that we would use it. We would often think now that meat means animal flesh, that that's what meat, that's what you think of when you think of meat. But some thousand years ago, meat just meant food. Imagine if I invited my good friend Sarush round for a hearty plate of meat. (laughs) Or Dennis invited you round for one of his amazing barbecues that was going to be a meat feast. And you arrived. And there was none of that. (laughs) Outrage! But it's changed. It's changed meaning. It used to mean just food. Now we, we consider it to mean animal flesh. Or shops can change meaning or purpose. For instance, if you go to the Carphone warehouse, a regular shop on all our high streets, you will not be able to buy a Carphone. I can tell you... Do you we, I remember the guy in our village who first got a Carphone, and it was amazing. And you sat in his car, and it was down here by the side, and oh, wow, look at that. It's a, it's a phone in a car. It even had a... Do you remember them? It even had a, like a, 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 a coil. It wasn't even... That you, it was amazing. And you just thought, wow, a car and a phone. How you ever used it while you were driving like that? I'm not sure. You probably weren't allowed to. But you know, we were amazed by these things. You can't buy one now. Who has a car phone now? It's changed meanings. They sell mobile phones and things like that. Or, this is my favourite, board games. Board games. Are, who plays a board game at Christmas? Yeah, I'm sure a few people play board games. Perhaps it's a British thing, I don't know. But did you know that Monopoly started out as a game to teach people about poverty, about inequality, and about the injustice of capitalism? Did you know that? You play Monopoly... Uh, on any Christmas day now with a family, it means exactly the opposite of that. Everyone is out for themselves. Everyone wants to earn the most money. Everyone wants to get the hotels on their property. It's carnage. (laughs) What, what, What does it matter, really? You know, words evolve. Shops diversify. Board games... Well, they just mean different things. What, what does it really matter? Many people would say, well, that's just what's happened with Christmas, really. It's, it's just the same. It had an original meaning thousands of years ago, but now it's just changed, and that's just what happens. Get over it. But for Christians, the events that we remember at Christmas are very different because they're not simply just a descriptive word or a man-made thing or um, just a game. No, no, at the centre is a historical event, a historical person. In fact, we celebrate this huge event with massive significance for everyone who has ever lived. It was huge. The angels declared when they came and visited the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, just like we've got here this morning with this wonderful bunting done by Faye. Glory to God in the highest, the angels declared to 
the shepherds. And so this morning, I just want us to look at one small phrase out of that passage from Isaiah. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And I want us to look at what we learn about the message of Christmas, but more of that, actually the message of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us. There's three parts to this phrase we're going to look at. A son is given to us. A son. Isaiah is foretelling God's rescue of his people through a Messiah, through a saviour. And how does this saviour arrive on the scene? Is he the great, mighty, warrior king? Is he the powerful, ruling emperor? No, no, he arrives as a child, as a son. And he's saying this will be a future event. See, as I said, Isaiah is writing some 700 years before Jesus, prophesying his birth. What a wait. What a wait. Waiting for nine months for a baby to arrive is a long enough wait, isn't it? I'm just looking out for Hannah. She's not here. I'm sure she would agree. You know, you you wait for nine months. You perhaps prepare the room. You decorate it. Maybe you you kind of buy all the stuff and it kind of just clutters the house. Perhaps you even chose names. Here Isaiah is saying, 700 years before, it's like the name's been chosen. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Because this is no ordinary son. See, Christmas reminds us that in Jesus, God entered our world. It's it's what's known as the incarnation. God himself became human. I'm aware that you might be here and you have a worldview that says, do you know what? That is just ridiculous. Or that you, have, you come from a religious background that says that is offensive. And it might leave you with loads of questions. But do you know what? The Bible doesn't seek to answer all those questions that we might have about the incarnation. How can the eternal Son who has always been, who has always existed, be born? How can this baby be both fully God and fully man at the same time? Well, the the Bible doesn't dwell on giving us a detailed explanation of this. Actually, it focuses focuses on the why, which is the most and the more important question. Perhaps this illustration will help you see why it's important. A church leader wrote a few years ago about visiting Manila, the capital, I think, of the Philippines. And uh, he was taken on his visit to a rubbish dump. In fact, that is the actual rubbish dump. 
And tens of thousands of people over many years had made their homes on that rubbish dump. Shacks from the garbage that people had thrown out. They would send their children out each morning to scavenge for food on the rubbish dump so that by the end of the day they could have a family meal. People were being born, growing up, living and dying on that rubbish dump without ever going anywhere else, even into the city of Manila. But there were others also that lived there, missionaries, Christians who had chosen to leave their country and come to that place to communicate the love of Jesus to those people who otherwise would not have heard it. Missionaries who had left what they had to go to this rubbish dump and live there. That is amazing. But do you know what? That is not as amazing as what God has done for you and I. He left heaven to come to earth for you and I. Enter our place. And not only did he enter our place, he showed himself to us like never before. Perhaps you have a favourite hymn, uh, a carol at Christmas. Perhaps it's... What what are some of your favourite carols at Christmas? You might have sung them last week. Silent Night. Hark the herald angels sing. Oh, holy night. Once in Royal David City. I can't, I can't hear any others. With a little town of Bethlehem. We, we love them, don't we? Well, I'm with Karen. I think one of my favorites is Hark the herald angels sing. And there's a line in that that says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Because God comes as a man, we get to see God. He's not hidden from us. He's veiled in flesh. The Godhead see. He stoops down to our reality and becomes one of us. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's a big deal. It really is. No other major religious leader has ever said that. They may have said, go this way to try and get to God. Do these things to try and get closer to God. Behave this way to try and please God. But Jesus said, you encounter me and you encounter God himself because I am God. It's almost like if we compared Christmas to the 10 o'clock news, the main news, and often what we have as our headlines is lights, decorations, presents, shopping, food, drink, and yet that kind of minor non-news story tagged on at the end is God enters human history as a baby. No, no, this is the most important news. This is 
the big news. This is the major headline. God has entered our reality in Christ. The big, I'm not anti all those things, by the way. You know, we have presents and we do shop and we have some food and some drink and decorations and trees. And, but let's keep the big news, the big news. I want to ask you to think about that for a minute. What will you do this Christmas to ensure the big news in your heart, in your household, has kept the big news? Secondly, a son is given to us. Christmas reminds us that getting right with God, being right with God, is a gift. One of the most famous passages in the Bible is John 3.16. You may know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In other words, God saw humanity and he had seen the way that they had rebelled and distanced themselves from him. But because his love and his compassion for them, for you and I, was so great that he sent, that he gave his son so that there might be a way back to be restored to him. And the problem is, we think the way back to be restored to God is, it just means changing our attitude. It just means, well, being a bit kinder, being a bit less selfish. We may think, well, being restored to God, well, that will mean changing my behaviour, attending church more regularly, reading the Bible. But do you know what? Behind that is a stream of thinking that says, do you know what? I'm really not that bad. I'm not that bad that I need a saviour. I'm not that messed up that I need God to rescue me. I can't, actually, I can sort myself out by doing some of these things. That's what would be called salvation by works. I do the right things to make me right with God. That's not the message of Christianity. If you try and live like that, and many of us have tried to live like that, if you try and live like that, I guarantee you will swing through life between anxiety and worry that you're never doing enough through to pride and arrogance that you think you've done enough in what you've done. And you'll just swing one to the other, one to the other. And the reality is you can never do enough. I I love how Isaiah put it in our passage this morning from chapter 9. He said this before he talked about a son is given. He said, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. In the day of Midian's defeat, it's a reference to an event in Israel's history where Gideon and his small army defeat this massive Midian force. And you can find it in Judges chapter 7. And God says to Gideon, Gideon, your army is too big. 
Because when I win the battle for you, you will think you've done it yourself in your own strength. And you haven't. And you won't. He says this, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. It was God that had rescued them. It was God that had given them victory in the battle. Freed them from their burdens and their oppression that the enemy had put on them. And he wanted them to know that it was him. And Isaiah says, this is what the coming of the child will be like. God wants you and I to know, to delight, to to enjoy, to live daily in the fact that he makes us right with him as a gift. He saves us from the mess of our rebellion, from our sin, as a gift. How? Well, he was also given so that through his death and his resurrection, he might be victorious over those things that oppressed us, so that the burdens that we held and kept us from God, he would be victorious over. See, we can't celebrate Christmas without one eye on the cross, in fact, both eyes on the cross, where Jesus gave his life for you and I. He was given so that he might conquer death, like we sang this morning, because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free, because God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. See, when we, when we know that he is the giving God, it strengthens us to be like him. Not to turn inward on ourselves, which can so often happen at Christmas, can't it? Turn inward on ourselves so, so selfishly. But actually, when we know that he's the giving God, we're able to go look outwards, to live our lives for those around us, to live our lives in service and mercy and kindness to those that are around us. And not just at Christmas. And I want to say, as we end 2017, well done, Jubilee. Well done for doing that in all sorts of ways, in social action projects, in Alpha in the way you live your lives on your streets and in your neighbourhoods, in your devoted groups and your community groups. Well done for living outward lives that give because of our wonderful giving God. Finally, to us, a son is given to us. Who do we count as us? Mary and Joseph? The shepherds? The wise men? The residents of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? The people of Judea? See, for Mary and Joseph, it became very personal. I had um, some few years ago who uh, looked to adopt a boy 
they could say, he has been given to us. It became very personal to them. In fact, I was interviewed. In fact, I wrote a reference for them, and I was interviewed by the social worker about their suitability, and I, was glad, I gladly did that. But it wasn't so up close and personal for me. It a little bit, but it didn't really affect my daily life that much. But for them, it was. It was very, very personal because a son had been given to us. Listen, if this son is given to us, to you and I here, that means it becomes very up close and personal. And that's what it does mean. In fact, it gets so personal that when we choose to receive Jesus into our lives, we get to become children of God. This is John, uh, first chapter of John, verse 12. To all who received him, that's Jesus, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God is more passionate about knowing you and you knowing him than you can ever imagine. This Jesus is given to you so that you might know God, so that you might be called child of God. So whether you are a Christian here this morning, whether you would count yourselves as a Christian, whether you would not count yourselves as a Christian, I want you just for a minute to dwell on the words of J.I. Packer, um, an author, a theologian, who said this. And I want you to consider this. He said, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity... Find out how much they make of the thought of being God's child and having God as their father. If this is not the thought that prompts their worship and prayers and their whole outlook on life, it means they do not understand Christianity very well at all. It was one of those quotes that hit me between the eyes and stopped me in my tracks. He gave his son to us so that, we, so that you and I might know the same love that the son has always known. That is amazing. We're not left wondering, does he love me, does he not? but we're left to know and enjoy the security and love of being God's child. And I believe there are some here today that are hearing and thinking about that for the first time. And there are some here today who have perhaps been Christians, perhaps some of us have been Christians for decades 
And suddenly we're hit with the truth of that. Afresh. Listen, when you look at the manger in the Christmas nativity scene, when you think of the baby born 2,000 years ago, this Christmas, no, he was born that I might become God's child. That I might be found, adopted into his family, a child of God. Not left wondering, but known. He loves me. He loves me as a child. And that's where I want to end today. Do you know that love today? Have you encountered that love today? Listen, if you're hearing that for the first time and you want to read up more about that, you can take one of these booklets from the back totally for free. It's called Why Christmas? And it tells you about how you get to enjoy and know and enter into that love. How, through Jesus, you can know God as your Father. Why don't you take one of those away and read it this Christmas? And for all of us, are we holding on to that truth that because of Jesus, you are God's child? And he is your Father. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of perhaps depression, in the midst of circumstances, in the midst, like Jill said, of perhaps loss. Perhaps it's been a difficult year. Are you holding on to the fact that because of Christ, I'm God's child forever. And I know he loves me and that he's for me and that he will never leave me. Is that what you're allowing to define you today, this Christmas? I want us to just end slightly differently, if the band could come up. But I want us to just end in a moment of silence. I want us to consider those two two questions this morning. Have I grasped onto that truth that God is my Father and I'm His child because of Jesus? Am I holding on to that? Am I allowing that? Am I allowing that to define me today? And the second question is: How am I going to keep the big news, the big news, this Christmas? What steps am I going to take this Christmas? So just just for a minute, it may help you to close your eyes, it may help you to bow your heads, whatever you want to do. It may help you to stand up and walk around at the back of the room. I I don't know. I just want us for a minute just to dwell on those questions and I'm going to pray.
Father God, we we come before you with confidence this morning, knowing that you gave your Son. A Son is given to us. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He'll be called Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that in Christ you you revealed yourself to us and invited us back to you and rescued us from our rebellion, from our disobedience. And you now call us your children. Thank you. It's wonderful grace. What an amazing gift. Every, every gift that every person receives this Christmas will pale into insignificance compared to the gift of your son. Thank you. And I want to ask, by the Spirit this morning, would you ignite our hearts afresh to know I'm God's child. He's my Father. And I'm secure in Him because of Jesus. Lord, let our lives be defined by that very truth. And I want to ask that as we uh, kind of go into Christmas, that the big news would be the big news on our hearts and in our houses and to the people that we meet in our streets and um, in our schools and colleges and in our families. And that we would hold out this truth to those around us that you can know the love of this Father. Perhaps that's you here this morning. You don't need to wait for Christmas Day. It can be today. It can be today. You can receive Jesus today. Why don't you talk to the person you came with? Why don't we why don't we worship? Let's stand and worship. And I'm, but I'm also